it is, ladies and gents. It is my favorite day of the week, SHIT. So happy it's Thursday, and we're ready to rock and roll. If you're in business and you want to retain some good talent, then today's episode is for you. Let's get this one rolling. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real-life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Boss! All right, ladies and gents, let's do this. When your business begins to grow, you will need to grow your team. That means hiring employees. You'll want to find the best people and the best talent, but so does every other employer. So what does it take to hire and keep good talent? Today's guest is here to share with us what he, uh, how he helps business leaders to develop company culture and structure that attracts and keeps its high performers. If you're tired of having high turnover and fear losing your best employees, then this episode is for you. Let's welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Wollstone. All right, Michael, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing so, so good. Thank you for having me today. All right, man, let's jump into this. Uh, you're in the consulting space. There's uh, a million things you could have done with your life, uh, and here you are today. So my question is always the very beginning question of why. Why are you doing this? Because I want to know. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, you know, for me, the big thing is just having this passion and desire that everybody should love where they work. And for so many leaders, I, I fell into this trap in the corporate world for 20 years where I worked for uh, Starbucks for five years, and then I worked for one of the nation's largest credit unions for 13. And I was able to build incredible teams, but there's so many times along the way where I was just like, man, how how do I actually make this better? You know, what I felt like I was banging my head against the wall at certain points. And so my heart and passion was to say, how can I extend what I was doing in the corporate realm and really expand that to teams, whether you have two people, whether you have 10 people, whether you have 200 people, whether you have 2000 people, how are those principles played out and how can people have not only the best work culture possible, but that leaders feel equipped and supported and just empowered to lead their teams really powerfully. And, and that's what drives me every day. It's funny, no matter what industry you're in, you're always going to have a team around you, right? Sometimes you're a leader, sometimes you're part of the team, but there's teams that operate uh, together and that leadership part is so crucial for that team to have some sort of success. I teach a class called Financial Algebra, 17-year-old seniors, uh, and this week they're putting together their corporations, their teams, right? Um, and in doing so, you know, I'm, I laid it out from, I'm the CEO of your team. I'm going to make the final decisions on what happens uh, going forward, but I want to be a good leader to these kids and give them as much flexibility and power and empower them to run and operate the business in the best way possible and not do the activities myself, but lead them there and provide a good culture. You're coaching teams that have already uh, started, reached a level of success, but what advice would you give me in teaching young 17-year-old kids who are barely entering the, the uh, entrepreneurial space 
things that I can do as a leader to help them really excel and really buy into this concept? Yeah, man, great question. And it's interesting because, you know, I really with all the different teams that I work with, I work with prop, for-profit, nonprofit, I work with lots of different organizations, and it kind of all comes down to the same thing of who is the group that you have with you. So in this case with students, you know, I always start with what are their strengths? What are the things that they're amazing with? I call it their superpowers. And once you dive into their strengths, which is typically pretty obvious as a leader, right? You start studying, you start analyzing, maybe you do different types of assessments, and then you start to see what they do naturally and a lot of times what happens is on a team people will either just kind of be put in a role or a spot based off of you know just maybe need or necessity or just because they don't really know what else to do but as a leader when we really get to empower teams and and put them in the right seats it can change everything because not only are they way more effective and they enjoy what they do um, but they get to use the best parts of them. And so that would be my advice just in your specific example. And, and really for all leaders is number one, do you have the right people in place? And then number two, who are the right people in the right seats? And are they doing the things that they could naturally do? You know, I always kind of liken it to throwing a baseball. I'm right-handed, right? You ask me to throw a baseball right-handed all day long, it's going to feel natural. I'm not the best athlete, but it's decent. You know, you ask me to throw left-handed, it's not no. going to look pretty, right? Like it's going to be all over the place. It's going to look kind of rough. So what are the things that they naturally love to do and how can you help them do more of it? And, uh, and that'll help really uh, exponentially grow your results. It's that comfort level, right? If I'm comfortable throwing right-handed and you make me do it left-handed, it'll get done. It just won't be where I'm happy. I'm not going to look forward to doing it on a regular basis. I'm going to struggle. It's going to impede my pride, my ego, and I'm not going to be a productive member of this team if I'm struggling with it all the way through. So it's it's partially playing to their strengths, but also getting to know that team in and of itself. And I think that's where you ta start talking about culture, right? How do you set up a culture where you're accepting of these team members and their strengths so you can put them in the right seat? Because I feel like a lot of times we bring on talent, we know they're good, we just can't put them in the right seat and that good talent ends up leaving or worse, we shoo them off. Right. Yeah, that's one. the number one problem that I see uh, in workplaces is because, you know, leaders are so busy and especially through the pandemic, they were called to be pulled in and kind of get, getting into the weeds even more. And one of the biggest things that we all want to do is feel valued, right? We want to be heard and understood. And so as leaders, the first thing that we can do, and this is one of the, the top three strategies that uh, I know we're going to talk about it, but is how do I really invest in my people first? Because it's easy to focus on the tactical. It's easy to focus on whatever the strategic plan is or, hey, guys, here's how we're going to execute. And most of the time, that's what gets jumped into first. But in any meeting, any day, any structure you can, how can we put people first and not only get to know them to a deeper level, but check in with them often, especially even our top performers who it's really easy when people are amazing at something just to kind of let it ride and not check back in with them or make sure that they're actually being challenged enough. Um, and then also bring up those who are maybe newer or struggling or just need a little bit more help and attention. It's incredible what 20 to 30 minutes of your day focusing on your people first, pushing off the email pushing off the tasks and making sure that that's the most intent focus that you have first in your day will result in not only people feeling cared for and wanting to stay and valued, um, but also that productivity just goes through the roof. So. And they feel like you have their back, right? Like you're, it's not just the job. You're not there just to pay them. They're not just an employee. 
they're on the team. They matter. I was scrolling through Facebook uh, today and there's this real estate team that just had a beach day. Like, they, And it, you see the entire team out on the beach, barbecue, playing tug of war, you know, doing all these things, not work related. And that's kind of what, what I feel you're describing there is this culture of that's my boss, but that's also like, you know, this is my friend or this is a, somebody I look up to that I care about. I don't want to let them down. I want to make sure I provide my best and put my foot forward. And that comes from a leader who's done that work ahead of time. Am I hearing you correctly? Oh, totally. And it's interesting. It's almost, you know, I kind of liken it to speaking two different languages, right? So for a lot of times for leaders, because they feel like, oh man, I got to keep people motivated. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's benefits, maybe it's time off and all those things. Like those things are important. But I think what we've seen, especially over the last few years, is that there's rev this revolution where employees say, hey, wait a second, I really want to feel valued. I want to have somebody care about me to a deeper level. I want to know where I'm going and growing. And some of that was in place before, but I think through the pandemic and through just a lots of different uh, changes in the workplace, um, employees now more than ever want to know that their boss and their leader care for them. And there's very specific ways, and that's what I work through with my own consulting company to really help managers and leaders go deep with their teams so that they can build trust. And once you build a deep level of trust, I've had people like that, mentors and leaders in my own life. And I'm like, man, I'll run through a brick wall for them. I've also had people where I'm like, I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm still yeah. going to hold my value, but I'm not going to do anything extra because I just don't know that I can trust them. I don't know that my work's going to matter to them. Right. And so that plays out over and over again, all across America with businesses and the deeper that we can go as leaders with our teams um, and help them feel valued, whether it's, you know, in the workplace or maybe something even outside of work or with their family, or maybe it's helping support them in their health, whatever it might be those are the places that we can make a huge impact as well. There's been a huge shift in what it means to quote, go to work after 2020, right? Uh, and there are many people who are like, I don't need to go in office. My productivity is just as good as it was before. And there's that shift in control, right? I want you to be in the office versus I want you to get this particular job done. Having people on a team, does it necessarily mean having them in the same building um, and how can an employer really kind of, you know, merge the two, bringing quality talent that wants the flexibility of working from home, but still maintaining that productivity that they need? I mean, that's a, a weird balance for employers and employees, but some of that good talent requires some of that flexibility, especially when they could just simply go completely mobile in almost a world economy that's available today. How do we how do we merge that work from home versus work in an office uh, yeah. situation? Yeah, you're right on, man. It, it, it's it's such a huge topic right now. And I think just like with anything, when you go to one extreme or the other, it, it can be really volatile. And so if it's a, hey, everybody's coming back to work, nobody gets to work remote, like that, that's just how this is going to be now. You're seeing pushback on that. You're also seeing pushback on remote only, especially with some of the engagement pieces or Zoom fatigue or people just kind of being like, yeah, I kind of thought this was okay. But this whole remote thing is just a little bit harder. It's almost death my meeting sometimes because there's this um, desire desire for connection, but it's just not quite the same. And so most mm -hmm. of the businesses that I'm working with and that I've seen across the board are trying this hybrid approach and being able to say, hey, maybe it's coming into the office once or twice a week or you know, at a certain frequency that makes sense for the business and for the team. But the deeper issue is actually not, hey, are people going to be in the office or not? It's what kind of atmosphere do you have in your team meetings, whether they're online or in person? 
And if it's this question of, oh, I have to come into the office, right? We have to get together. I have to do this, this company party thing because they want to, you know, whatever. That's the biggest issue, right? Is if we have teams that don't feel like they want to fully engage, um, that's where we can start drilling down deeper. Um, I actually provide a, a culture survey with a culture score that helps people know what's the ground truth, right? Like, what are people actually saying at the water cooler? What are some of the friction points that you have? So that whatever model you end up with, people love it because they want mm -hmm. to engage with their teams and they want to be a part of things, whether it's virtual or in person. And there's a, there's that critical balance, right? I'm the boss. I go, I say what happens. This is what's going to happen versus this is the company culture. And we want to make sure that everybody's moving in the, in the right direction. Uh, man, dude, that's a, that's a handful. And it's, and it's weird. So tonight is our back to school night, you know, where pe where parents get to come and, and talk to students, but because of everything that's happened, it's a virtual back to school night. And yet for our school, we're, you know, quote, required to be in our classrooms to do this virtual meeting. And of course you get a lot of pushback and, and team members and different teachers are like, why do we need to come here? We can perfectly do it from over there. How do you get that? I mean, you have that culture strategy, but how do you get them to actually share how they feel without that fear of it coming back to them? Right. Yeah, I touched on it just a moment ago. And one of the things that I, I get to work on with uh, employers is that uh, culture survey. And, and it doesn't have to be my tool specifically, but anything that can help people provide feedback anonymously. It's a great first step. Um, you can do different interviews with folks. But I, in my experience, asking the right questions around engagement. Um, it, is this something that you want to do and be a part of, right? Are there pieces of what we're doing that you don't like? Um, uh, you know, whatever the questions may be where you start seeing some patterns where people aren't bought in or don't want to be a part of things. Sometimes I think what we do is we go the other direct, we go one of two directions and you touched on both of them. We become super authoritarian. You have to do this. I'm going to require this, you know, and we become, uh, you know, just, just really strict that way. Or we go the other way and we're like, well, let's offer incentives and, you know, give everybody pizza or whatever, you know, give them a DoorDash gift card, you know, just for their trouble. You can go one of those two ways. Um, but really what's effective is to go even deeper and start asking some of those questions around why is there friction in the first place? What's actually going on? What are people kind of bristling against? And can we make a change with that? And even if you can't institutionally, whether it's, you know, with this situation that you just mentioned or with businesses in general, even the fact that people are heard and that they get to voice their opinion and that they, they get to have a voice makes such a huge difference. We named this episode three cultural strategies worldwide leaders do. Uh, so I want to make sure we at least answer that. What were those three culture strategies that a leader can put into place so that he's not going on the all the way out there, uh, you know, authoritarian side or, or just the completely lax side? Yeah, yeah, great question. We've really touched on the first one, which is how to get to the ground truth. Every organization I've worked with, every team that I've worked with and on has two different levels of truth. One is kind of the higher level organizational, maybe leadership, but they're not always as connected to what's actually happening at the ground level. You, know, you can call it water cooler talk, whatever you want to call it, but how do you get to the real truth of what's happening and what people share as peers, which doesn't always trickle all the way back up. So whether it's through a survey or whether it's through um, someone coming in and really diving deep into that truth, you can ask some really great questions. And that in itself, 
is really difficult for leaders to do sometimes because we want to just throw strategies at everything um, or plans at everything without having the full picture. So that's strategy number one is, is is get to the ground truth and figure out what the full picture is. The second one is really going and creating new plans, changing what you're doing, because anytime you get some feedback that's at a ground truth level where you know what's actually going on, what's motivating people, why they might be doing what they're doing or not doing, then you can create a new plan uh, with leaders and involve the front line or involve the team members or whoever it is. You make it a collaborative process. And typically what can happen when, within organizations or just with, with even really small businesses is the leader gets an idea, puts up the plan, puts it out there, is all excited, right? Like, hey, guys, here's the plan. I've been working on it for, you know, months now and, and here and we're going to run forward with it. If the team doesn't feel involved and heard, it's really not as likely to move forward. And you really need to engage what I call the key influencers in that second step. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, anybody on Instagram or, or Kardashian or anything. I'm talking about an influencer who uh, is part of the team um, who may not even have a manager title, who's really going to help you carry that vision forward because you've shown them why it's important to them, why it's important to you, why it's important to the organization and they're part of that collaboration. And then the third strategy, which is just huge, is the accountability piece. And I can't tell you how many times I work with leaders, and it's even been part of my own story, of you have a great idea, you have a great plan, maybe you've read a book, maybe you've gone through a course, you've gone through something, and then it just doesn't materialize, right? It kind of has some momentum for a second, but there's not the constant focus on it. And accountability is huge for the organization to say, these are our commitments, Here's how we're going to change our behavior. Here's how we're going to make sure that we're checking up on it on our calendar, or we're going to build in specific time to invest in our people, or, you know, we're going to require this to be part of what we do is these investment discussions, whatever it could look like that everybody agrees on. What are the accountability mechanisms that are in place to help you go from knowing a deeper truth? to being able to build a brand new plan and co-create that reality and then have the accountability on the back end to keep it going and have you continue that process over time. Well, you made me feel a lot better of the process that I have in place for these kids. So get to the truth, uh, develop new plans and then accountability. So let me lay it out for you. Uh, get to the truth. Uh, for me, that that very beginning part of where are you today and where do you want to go? We did this activity where uh, they first we we started the the school year playing cash flow so they get an understanding of how money works and how how it, how it, how it operates how to get yourself out of the rat race so they have an idea of what does it mean to exit the rat race to 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 have enough passive income for cash flow then we develop a new plan which is for for this case it's let's build your business um, and for me this part comes into the buy in when you talked about that influencer. To me, it's that kid that has that smart ass remark all the time and everybody tends to laugh. He's not a leader. I didn't assign him a leadership position, but he's a leader because every time he opens his mouth, the rest of the class listens. So if I can get those kids to buy in, everybody else will follow. And then accountability. So the way I have our corporation set up is on Monday, they come into class, I meet with the teams and we set three goals for the week. These are the action plans for the goals. And then they set their own grade metrics. We call them grade metrics, but they're KPIs essentially, right? So this is what an A would look like. This is what a B would look like. This is what a C would look like or, and so forth. And then at the end of the week, we evaluate, where did you go? You set your goal. 
how did you do in attaining that goal and repeating the process every single week to hold them as accountable as possible to the goals they set themselves so in in laying out your three culture strategies how do you uh, how would you grade me as implementing them so far Dude, it sounds like you're killing it. I love it. Uh, you know, it's neat to hear you say that you're doing that with this age group group. And it's there's really not a difference between, you know, I think you said 17 or 18 year olds, right? There's no difference between that and the workplace. You fast forward and it's so true. Uh, the troublemaker, you know, or who we view as the troublemaker, who's kind of talking up or whatever, can be the most influential person to help us or hurt us. And I found that spending extra time with them and helping them even see that they're uh, an influencer because they may not know it. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Um, it is so important because if we can get down to their level and help them see some of the bigger picture pieces and help them know, hey, what you do makes a huge difference. Can you help me out here? Right. Um, makes, you know, is just huge. So it sounds like you got an awesome plan, man. I definitely give you an A so far. So nice job. so far, so good. Let's see how it pans out. But what you're describing here is getting them to be to see the vision together, right? Like what one thing I explained to them is is when you have this entrepreneurial spark, you have this idea in your mind, one of the first things you do is you go and tell the people you care about the most. And they tend to be the ones who shut you down. They tell you how what you can't do, not necessarily because you can't do it, but because they can't see the vision of themselves doing it. So they want to protect you and tell you it's not possible. And this buy-in process is literally being able to, for you as the leader, to share the vision with your team so that they can clearly see it. And that's when you get the buy-in, right? Yeah, totally. You, you hit it right on the, the nail on the head. And, and I'm sure you experienced that personally, right? You're coming up on a thousand episodes. Is that right? You're 1001. Dude, that's amazing, right? So and I'm sure, you know, there's so many stories of that, whether it's entrepreneurs or leaders or any time where there's kind of that status quo. And like you said, people want to protect us or maybe they're envious or maybe something deeper is going on, right, for them. And it's who you surround yourself who wants to support that vision. And so if you have people who aren't, like in this case, you know, you got the, the influencer who's negatively influencing, how can we really get down deep with them? How can we help them care? Um, how can we understand if there's something going on that's preventing them from doing that? And again, I, you know, just being really honest as a leader, um, helping them see the influence that they have and that we want them to help move forward in the vision. Because most of the time that I, what I found is um, with influencers who are kind of, you know, turning sour or maybe taking things a different direction it's not even necessarily that they're always having bad intent um it's just they may not actually understand the why mm -hmm. they may not understand the vision they may need extra time to have that explanation happen and as soon as we do that and they get the bigger picture they're like dude yeah i'm all on board let's go and um and they can be your biggest champion so yeah yeah right. Once you get them on your side, everybody else tends to follow suit. That's what makes them the influencer. You just got to identify them. They're not your enemy. They could be your best friend and your highest motivator in, in your class or in your workplace. All right, I want to make sure that we get enough information about what it is you do. You've given us so much information and so many good strategies to implement good teams and good cultures. Um, I want to make sure people get information from you so who is the ideal customer you're working with or you're looking for i am looking for qualities beyond the physical <laughs> i love it yeah man, i'm looking for heart-driven high-performing leaders who really want to develop that world-class culture so they can keep their best people and also so that they can help attract talent which is one of the biggest issues right now right and not any just you know any talent like the top shelf talent 
those are the folks that I get to work with um, and that I, I love uh, supporting in, in my business. And if people want to work with you, they're, they're, they, can, they understand exactly where you're coming from. They're like, you know what, Michael sounds like the exact person I want to reach out to. Uh, what's the process like when working with you? Look at all those people. <laughs> uh, can you repeat that last part? I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, your, what's the process like? If, if, I'm, if I decide, you know what, Michael, this is your perfect fit. This is the person I want to work with. And, you know, you're the guy I want to reach out to. What's yeah. that process like? What, what can I expect? Yeah, I make it super easy. And I think it's scrolling down there at the bottom. Just head to my website, michaelwolston.com. That's W-O-L-S-T-E-N. And uh, just click, you know, set a time with me. What I do is two things. And uh, I really want to emphasize this for your listeners who, you know, are, are awesome and supporting you. And so I want to make sure I get to support them. 15-minute audit to, to see how you're doing, to focus on what you're doing well and to see if there's any improvements. And I also do a little culture quiz. So you get a score at the end to say, hey, let's do a checkpoint on some of these issues that we've been talking about, some of those highlights. Um, for you as a leader, what are some of the, the bigger questions that you can answer? So you can dive deep and make sure that you are truly uh, doing everything that you can to keep your best and also attract that amazing rock star talent that you, that you need to grow. And that's it. Ladies and gents, a 15-minute consultation can drastically change your life if you want to retain some good talent, if you want a good company culture that's growing together as a team so that you have not just people in the, in, in the bus with you, but in the right seats going in the same direction. So make sure you guys stop by Michael's website. That's www.michaelwolston.com, W-O-L-S-T-E-N.com, scrolling across the bottom. Schedule that 15-minute consultation. You never know what doors are going to open up, who you're going to meet, all kinds of cool stuff when you work with coaches and mentors. And like I always say, you actually have to have a conversation to see if this is the person you want to work with because a coach might have the best knowledge and the best strategies for you, but if you don't jive with them, it ain't going to work. So start with that 15-minute consultation. Let Michael know what's going on. Let him see what you got going on and you can go from there, www.michaelwilson.com. Michael, last couple questions, man. Um, what kind of student were you in high school and uh, how did that translate to what you're doing today? Oh boy. Well, uh, I was pretty decent in high school. I would say probably a B plus average, uh, but I was one of those guys who got into college and I'm pretty sure I majored in ping pong uh, in my first <laughs> semester. So I had to learn real quick that uh, what got me there wasn't going to, was, you know, it wasn't what was going to keep me there and, uh, and I learned how to study a lot harder in the, in the college. But uh, yeah, I, I, I finally got through. I graduated college, which was awesome. So you had to, had to make that shift though and, and put down the ping pong paddle. That's for sure. Oh man, the college years, dude, that's when you figure it all out, supposedly. Um, nowadays, it gets really expensive to go to college and oh, try to figure it out. So it's a completely different ball game. Michael, uh, a couple last questions here. Um, we pride ourselves on, you know, 1,001 episodes, giving our guests the, a, a really good experience, kind of like the same way where I want to give my students a great experience. So video testimonials are huge for us. What was your experience like booking and being on the Business Bros? Oh my gosh, it was so easy. Um, I love the energy of what you guys bring. So booking was like the easiest thing, uh, I think, out of any of the podcasts that I've had the pleasure of being on. And then uh, it's just been fun. You're, you're, you guys are really engaging. And I think you ask the right types of questions, uh, not only for your audience, but for 
for you guys because I, I know that you guys are wanting to learn and grow as well. So it's been an awesome experience. It's like the matrix, man. Like it, there's no other platform that I've ever come across where I get to meet entrepreneurs who are doing amazing things and then like plug into the internet, right? Plug into their, their own everything, their experiences, their knowledge, their stories, their interactions. I get to do it right here on the show. It's so amazing. Michael, before we head out, man, I want to give you the floor. What are any last final thoughts that you want to get off to the audience? Um, and of course, one more time, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for giving me this time to connect with you and your audience. Um, what you guys are doing is amazing. Uh, I guess my last thing would just be an encouragement to leaders. If you feel like, man, we're not where we want to be with our culture, or man, I'm, I'm, I'm building a business and I really want to get there with my culture, uh, I'd love to, to provide some free resources to you to help you along your way. And, um, and really heart-driven, right-brain leaders are who are going to not only uh, survive, but thrive in the long term. And so those are the types of businesses that I love to work with. And so if you, you know, feel free to follow me on any social platforms and also michaelwilson.com um, where I'd love to connect more with you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Of course, ladies and gents, it's what it comes down to. This is business. If you are not running into problems, you're probably not running a pretty good business because problems come up all the time. And one of the problems you might run into is People don't want to go to work for you. You can fix that. You can adjust the way you do and operate your team with a simple phone call. Reach out to Michael. Go to his website, michaelwolston.com, and let's figure out what's going on. Why is it that top, top talent isn't sticking around or you can't find some good talent to come in and stay? So michaelwolston.com, michaelwolston.com. Michael, uh, thank you very much for coming on the program, man. You shared some great stuff. I'm I'm definitely going to be implementing a lot of this stuff into my classroom because I I'm I'm with you, man. Uh, I want people to be on my team because they want to be on my team. I want people moving in in the direction that they want for success because they want to move in that direction of success. I'm hoping I can influence that and provide a classroom setting or a culture in a business that can that can allow this, these students to thrive, to, to make it their idea, to make them want to come in every day. So what you're doing is, is some amazing stuff. By the way, uh, if you guys go to Michael's uh, website, he was on the news, man. He's got a nice video there talking about, and it's not like old stuff. You know, there's a lot of people who put like newscasts from like years ago. Now, this is more new, having to do with what's going on in our in our employment economy today. So make sure you guys check that out, michaelwolston.com. Michael, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Ladies and gents, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. So it's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz.